your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Monday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, August 2nd, 2021. Your boy Q here with you as always. You know, you can find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. Definitely appreciate anyone who reaches out. Also appreciate everyone who reaches out by way of the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. You can leave a message, send a text. It's all good. Either way, whatever is easier for you, definitely always appreciate all the feedback throughout the course of the show, throughout the course of the week here on the show and got a lot to get to and coming off a very very big weekend Allegiant Stadium was the host of the Gold Cup Finals in soccer USA and Mexico USA picked up the 1-0 victory it took 117 minutes to finally see someone score but the USA was able to get it done with extra time 117 minutes they scored and then uh when it was over at 120 and uh, USA takes home the the gold the gold trophy, the gold cup in soccer at Allegiant Stadium. And uh, from everything I know, and I wasn't there, but uh, a lot of people uh, hit me up and were saying I should have been there. But there's just so much we've been going on and so much that I've been able to cover. Uh, definitely wanted to take a day off and just kind of relax and, and decompress a little bit. And so from everything I heard, though, uh, that was definitely a home game for Mexico. And so uh, USA comes out on top. thought that was really cool. But just another huge event that Allegiant Stadium held. Again, that was on Sunday. And uh, there's so many more. And that thing, that place was so stinking loud for that event I can only imagine what it's going to be like that Monday night football game versus the Baltimore Ravens the Raiders and the Ravens it's going to be bananas so uh, let's go ahead and just jump into today's show segment number three as I do on the regular uh, calls and text straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line segment number two going to talk about my thoughts of the first week of training camp four days officially in the books no pads yet they haven't put any pads on. They're going to put some pads on on Tuesday. But I'm just going to kind of go through what I think of uh, Raiders training camp the first four days. I was in attendance of two days. And the very first day when John Gruden opened up the training camp with just his media session when the players reported on the 27th. But just from what I saw and what I heard, I want to give you my thoughts. I'll come up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes kind of collected over the weekend from Friday all the way through to right now. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, on Friday, running back Theo Riddick, he was actually placed on the reserve retired list. Now, if you remember, a couple days ahead of time, Theo Riddick had been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, him and Jalen Richard, and, well... A couple days later, Theo Riddick decides he's going to retire. Apparently, that was something that he had already been thinking about before the season started. Of course, Theo is a, about a 10-year vet in the league, and so he had been thinking about retirement anyway. But then once uh, he got hit with COVID-19, and apparently because he has some young children at home, he decided to just go ahead and make the move and, and go ahead and retire. And so the Raiders put out a, a statement that Theo Riddick has been placed on the reserve retire list. Uh, additionally, the Raiders running back Kenyon Drake and defensive tackle Darius Stills returned to practice from the uh, NFI list. List. And that's what they did because I was there on Friday and saw both Kenyon Drake and Darius Steeles both working in practice. But here's John Gruden on Saturday talking about the retirement of Theo Riddick and also the return of Jalen Richard. Well, first, uh, you know, our, we're disappointed Theo chose to retire. You know, he was contemplating that and um, I think he was he's considering that last year and uh, possibly, uh, you know, some of my recruiting skills, I'm able to talk him out of that. But uh, he, he leaves a void in his presence 
you know, starts there. He was, they called him Pops. He was a leader. He was great for Josh and great for all of our guys. Uh, so that's a void. And obviously Jalen will be back. We expect him back the 2nd of August. He's been in every meeting on Zooms. Uh, we're the best Zoom team in the history of the world. I don't know if we get a trophy or a medal or what, but we are one hell of a Zoom team. So that was head coach John Gruden on Saturday uh, following practice, talking about Theo Riddick retiring, also Jalen Richard returning on the second, which is today. So potentially, depending on what time you're listening to this, Jalen Richard may be back on the practice field as the Raiders return to action today, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. But Josh Jacobs, he also met with the media on Saturday. He also talked about the retirement of Theo Riddick because he was someone that was near and dear to Josh. So here's Josh Jacobs on Theo Riddick. And it's crazy because Theo, he, you know, he a veteran like a real veteran 10 year vet he bring that he brung a, a a different type of mindset you would never see theo mad or anything he brought that positivity to the room and he brought that energy you know what i'm saying so he always supported everybody and things like that and it was crazy because before the season had started he was already hinting at retiring you know what i'm saying he coming here and you know it's, it's it's take him longer to 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 get ready and things like that so he was already kind of hitting at it so when he had like caught COVID and things he was like yeah you know he got he got a couple of young uh kids and stuff like that he was like yeah it's time so i respected it everybody still we all still keep in contact with him um he's still out here right now so yeah so there's Josh Jacobs right there talking about Theo Riddick as well. Again, he retired. Uh, that's a big loss. It's a big loss for the Raiders really because of his leadership. Not necessarily what he does on the field, but because of his leadership. But 10 years in the game, come down with COVID and uh, has young ones at the house. So just decided it was about that time, especially for a guy that was already on the fence about retiring. Uh, also, on uh, over the weekend, on Saturday, as a matter of fact, the Raiders put out that Daniel Carlson is on the COVID-19 list, and then Dominic Eberly has been re-signed. Matter of fact, that was kind of a Saturday-Sunday type thing. Saturday, the Raiders announced that Carlson was on the COVID-19 reserve list. Sunday, they sent out a statement about Eberly being re-signed. He was just released earlier in the week, but after Carlson was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, obviously it was important to bring a kicker back into camp. So Eberly is back. They put out the statement saying, that they've re-signed him. Uh, he is a six foot two, 109-pound kicker out of Utah State. He was originally signed by the Raiders as an undrafted free agent in 2020, spent the rookie season on the practice squad, and uh, was signed by the team as a reserve future free agent at the conclusion of the season. And again, he was the dude that was on the practice squad throughout the whole course of the 2020 season. They just kept him on that just in case something happened with COVID-19 and Carlson went down. Well, it eventually did happen, but it was in training camp and not the regular season, which is a lot better for them to deal with that. That right now than it would be in the middle of the season. So uh, Everly is back as of right now. As I mentioned earlier, the Raiders will be practicing today, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., and that is Pacific time. So, uh, yeah, they got to get out there early because it's so stinking hot. And I'll tell you, on Saturday, we got out there at 7.30, and I thought it was going to be okay until about 8.30, maybe even 8.45, then it was going to start to heat up. Nope, it started heating up about 7.45. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, there was absolutely no cloud coverage at all, and it was so stinking hot. So even though they're doing these practices super early in the morning, it's still, man, that heat, it gets cooking. So they're out, really out there working. Matter of fact, John Gruden kind of joked about it at the very beginning of his presser on Saturday and said how strange it is to be practicing at 730, something he's never had to deal with in his career. Here he is. Check out John Gruden talking about practicing at 730. I don't think people realize practicing at 730 a.m. is, I think, unprecedented, at least in my career as a coach, and to have uh, everybody come out. Uh, with that type of concentration and energy and effort was impressive. Hot out there, you know, kicking off at 7.30. Guys got to get up at 5 a.m. every day. So I, these guys must like football. That's promising. 
There's Coach Gruden right there talking about the guys must like football. And, of course, that's something that's very important to him, something him and Mike Mayock talk about all the time. We're looking for football guys. Well, they're out there practicing. I'm a witness to it. They're out there practicing, and they're practicing hard. Even though they're not going full speed and they don't have pads on yet, and they will get pads on on Tuesday, uh, you can still see those guys putting in a lot of work. Today, after practice, assistant head coach and special team coach Rich Basaccia, he'll be talking with the media, and they'll have select players as well. I don't believe I'll be at practice today, but I will be doing my show from the facility from 2 to 4 p.m. West Coast time. So i got a couple meetings i got to go to. You know, i got to go to meetings, got to do the corporate thing here and there. But, uh, yeah, either way you look at it, man, it it should be fun. I will be doing my show from the facility, but I don't think I'll be at practice. I think I'm going to go to practice tomorrow when they do put pads on, and that'll be exciting just to see them the first day in pads. So that's all i got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, going to get into my thoughts of the first week, the first four days uh, that are in the books. You know, what did I see? What did I observe? Uh, Things that stood out to me, you'll hear all that coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar, and I've been telling you about Built Bar for very long time and the flavors that they have right now to choose from coconut cherry barcia german chocolate cookies and cream raspberry mint brownie orange strawberry double chocolate and salted caramel not to mention every once in a while they'll have those uh, limited time edition flavors i think the last one they had was the grasshopper cookie so if you're a big fan of thin mints back in the day that would be the one for you but they have a uh, limited time editions, you know, and, and like I said, you just got to check the website to see which one it is. But uh, over the past week, week and a half or so, they've had toffee almond, they had carrot cake, and most recently, as mentioned, grasshopper cookie. Uh, the, the, the bars are really good. They're protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're softer, easy to chew. If you're like me, you like to put yours in the fridge, but you don't have to. You can have one anytime, anywhere. It is all good. Matter of fact, on Saturday, when I was standing out there in that, that stinking heat, <laughs> at practice, I probably should have had a built bar, even though it might have melted on me, but I probably should have had a built bar just to give me a little bit of protein and, and uh, to go with the water that I was drinking. I was, man, I was killing the water, but I needed a little bit of something, something to eat as well. I should have had me a built bar, but I didn't have one with me, but they are great for on the go. You know, if you want to take one uh, to have one on a, on a way to the gym, on the way to work or on your way uh, back home from the gym or back home from work, it's, it does not matter. Built bar is perfect for a quick snack and it's good for you. Builtbar.com promo code lock 15 is going to save you 15% off your order at checkout. Again, builtbar.com promo code lock 15 to save 15% off your order at checkout. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to get into my thoughts, my observations from the first four days of training camp. No pads yet, so there's a lot of guys that could be showing out. There's a lot of guys that could be making some headlines and being talked about quite a bit, and they might not end up turning out to be anything because, again, it's just the first four training days of training camp. Pads aren't on, and that's just kind of what it is. But either way you look at it, man, just want to talk about what I was able to see. I was in attendance for training camp on both Friday and Saturday day of last week and uh, took in a lot of thoughts plus everything that I've been hearing from the people that are there uh, every day like a Vinny Bonsignor who's there every day uh, my guy Tashawn Reed from The Athletic and Vic Tafer they're there every single day uh, but just because of different obligations that I have at the radio station I'm not able to be there every day 
but still going to be there a lot of the time. So uh, first off, the, the practice being there at 730 in the morning, as you heard John Gruden talk about in segment number one, you know, that's not for everybody. Everyone's not able to get their body going that early in the morning. But from what I've seen from the team, they're out there, they're active, they're uh, energetic, and they're excited. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me in a major way is the 2019 guys, the 2019 draft class. I mean, you're talking about Cleve Furl, you're talking about Josh Jacobs, you're talking about Jonathan Abram, talking about Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Trayvon Mullen, cats like that. You're talking about all those dudes. Those guys are out there and really working. And it's funny because Vinny kind of leaned over to me, Vinny Bonsignor leaned over to me on Saturday and said, man, I think that these guys from this 2019 draft class are really starting to put their mark on this team. Like it's really their team now. And if you think about it, all the drafts prior to, to John Gruden, who's still there? Derek Carr, <laughs> you know, Derek Carr and, and what Nicholas Morrow has hung around uh, for a while and he's still there and he's getting some good high praise. But I mean, for the most part, it's Derek Carr. And then this 2019 draft class, and, and I know there's a lot of questions, and next year they're going to have to make a decision on fifth-year options for guys like Cleve Furl, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram. And there's, there's questions on what they'll do with, with uh, Abram and, and, and Farrell right now. I don't think there's any questions what they'll do with Jacobs. They'll pick up that fifth-year option. But you can see these guys are starting to take – control of this team and, and show that leadership and really go out there and focus. And one guy I really want to highlight is Mad Max Crosby, fourth round draft pick. You know, he's he's not the guy that everyone expected him to be when they drafted him. They thought he was going to be a guy that could have been, you know, a guy that's going to have to get into the weight room and, and uh, you know, put on some weight and put on some muscle. And he could be a a guy later on down the road, but he's been really good in the league since since he's been in the league. Well, you can see him, and I, I really spend a lot of time with the defense as we're allowed to walk up and down the, the little sidewalk there and, and go through from like position group to position group. Offense is on one side of the field and defense is on the other side. I spend a lot of time with the defense for obvious reasons, but Max Crosby, one, he just looks like he's really fast. I put out some videos on Twitter, at your boy Q254. He just looks like he's going really fast. He's moving quickly. He's, he's just more energetic, more focused on, on, uh, you know, on what he's doing, his craft. And that's not saying he wasn't focused. It just seems like he's even more locked in. So that's not a knock on Max at all for the first two years. It just seems like he's even more locked in and, and that he's taking that leadership role. And you can hear him encouraging guys after every single rep. When he's not doing and participating, he's encouraging guys, everybody by name. You know, all right, come on, let's get this one. All right, man, get this one. Get this rep. Let's go get this rep. And kind of doing a little bit of teaching. And he comes from that 2019 draft class. Josh Jacobs, uh, one of the things I saw from him and I asked him about on Saturday was he did a rep. He got the ball, did a little bit of rep, and then he went up to the offensive line and started talking to the offensive line, like basically doing some teaching. So he's taking a bigger leadership role. And, and if you hear his media session, you go listen to the whole thing at Raiders.com. You can check out their YouTube page or Periscope. Plus, we also put it out there on the on the radio station's uh, website, lvsportsnetwork.com. We make sure to cover that. But, uh, man, he sounds the part. He really does. And I, I gave Jonathan Abram on Friday, I gave him a compliment saying he looked like he was more focused in. He was more locked in to what he was doing. And I don't want anyone to think that that was a jab or a, a shot at Jonathan Abram. It was not. It was actually me, get, me giving him props and saying that, hey, this dude looks like he is very focused and ready uh, to do the, je- the the job at hand, the task at hand, which is go out there and, and help this defense be the best they can be. But here's Josh Jacobs talking about the 2019 draft class and how they are trying to be the leaders of this team. And really, it's not just this year. It's something that they planned when they came into the team, when they came into the league, when they got drafted. But here's Josh Jacobs talking about that. Man, that's something we talked about since the first day we came in. First day we came in, we all was in the group chat, and we like, man, we're going to try to come in and change the identity of this team, man. 
do it the right way and put our stamp on it, but not overly force or nothing like that. Just go there and work. Um, and to see like guys like Max and, and John Abram stepping into them leadership roles, it's definitely been huge. So speaking of leadership, I told you that Josh Jacobs talked to the offensive lineman after he, he w- did one of his reps. And so I asked him about that specifically in the post-practice post uh, media session on Saturday. So here's Josh Jacobs talking about what he was doing, a little bit of teaching he was doing with the offensive line. Yeah, man, I try to talk to them because I also try to see what they see. And I'll I, I come to a point where I understand what they do. So I can make the calls really before they even make the calls of who their assignments are. Um, and I just talk to them about, like, you know what I'm saying, keeping up the pace. Um, just keep their mindset on what we trying to accomplish as an offense and um, as a run game. Um, and just make sure they communicate with each other because that's the biggest thing um, between the offense, the line, and, and the running backs is communication. So, yeah, I just try to keep making sure they on it and keep it in their head. Now, I've always complimented Josh Jacobs and talked about the fact that he's he's wise beyond his years just based off of everything that he's had go on in his past. But it, again, it just sounds like he's really matured. It seems like a lot of the team has matured. Uh, I just I just think that they're way more focused. And maybe it's not that they're they're more focused. It's just that they understand uh, what the task at hand is. Uh, Josh Jacobs has mentioned before that John Gruden is all in. Like, it's, it's win or nothing this year. Like, he wants everything to, to be accomplished this year. And so that's a good thing you know that's what Raider Nation wants they want to see this team succeed they want to see his team get to the playoffs and make a deep run and Josh Jacobs is basically saying hey that's John Gruden's mindset so there's no more of the learning curve it's no more of the hey the young guys can sit around and, and try to learn and this team's gonna get better and be better for years down the road it's it's basically win now or don't win at all you know they, they want to get it done right now which is something that I was very happy to hear <laughs> no doubt about that and I know that Raider Nation is happy to hear that some other things that I saw at training camp though but Besides the intensity and the energy and the attention to detail that a lot of the players have, I also see the assistant coaches. I see Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator. He's got an energy about himself. He's uh, a, a matter of fact, as, as, you know, like I said, attention to detail. But these guys, they're not only coaching, they're teaching. And there's a difference. You can be a coach and not a teacher. But you can also be a really, really good teacher. And that's what I feel like some of these assistant coaches, even the ones under Gus Bradley, in particular, defensive back coach Ron Miles and linebacker coach Richard Smith. These guys, they're out there teaching these young dudes how to go out there and play. You know, you can coach a guy up and tell him what he needs to do and, and you know, put him put in a scheme and a system and say, this is how we're going to execute. Or you could teach a guy how to be great. And uh, I asked Coach Gruden about that on Saturday about, you know, defensive back coach Ron Miles and also linebacker coach Richard Smith and how the guys are adapting to him. They don't get enough credit. You know, they've been not only with Gus for a while, they've been in the league a long time. Uh, if you, when you sit down with Milas, if you do a one-on-one with him, he's, he's, he's at the top of the list in terms of secondary coaches. He's coached great players. Uh, he's made young players develop fast. He's a great disciplinarian. He doesn't take anything. You know, we're going to do it this way. We're going to have techniques. We're not going to blow coverages. And um, if we do, then you're not going to play. But he's a great coach, creative, fun. Addison Lynch's assistant is a young guy I think has a real huge upside. Reminds me of a young Tomlin and Raheem Morris when I was in Tampa. So we got a great energy there. And I think Richard Smith brings us the, um, the veteran presence. You know, he, he coached for the Houston Oilers. Uh, he, can, he can really rely on a lot of information and quality guy. Quality guy for our young coaches and players to look up to.
So those are two coaches in particular I'm very intrigued by, Ron Miles and both Richard Smith. Both guys I'm going to attempt to get interview opportunities with. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if I'll get them or how long I'll get them for, but I do think that they're very, very instrumental to this defense being successful and really two big highlights as well as Gus Bradley when they, when they were all hired. I think that that's a really big deal, something to pay attention to. Also, as far as observations, first four days of uh, training camp, uh, Clee Farrell, he's kind of working as part of a rotation, so it depends on really what the game plan is, uh, what the scheme is that they're trying to run at the time, depending on when he's going to play. I'm assuming because week one is against Baltimore and they're a run-heavy team that he's probably going to start. He'll start that day because he's very stout against the run, whereas Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe are very good against the pass. You know, those are the guys that are going to get after the quarterback. Well, you know Baltimore is going to really be run heavy, so I expect Klee to be in there. But a lot of people have been making a big deal of, oh, well, he's running with the twos right now. It's really a healthy rotation. It's not really just particularly all running with the twos. He's out there working. He really is. This is a huge year for Cleve Farrell. I talked about Jonathan Abram, how big of a year this is for him. Cleve Farrell, this is a big year for him as well. So he's been out there working, though. He's been looking pretty fast. He, he looks like he's focused. He sounds like, you know, he's grown up quite a bit. And again, he's coming from that 2019 draft class. The defensive backs, I know a lot of people have been making a big deal about Damon Arnett running with the twos, and there's been a lot of conversation about, about what's going on with Arnett and, you know, is he on the hot seat? Look, Casey Hayward's there to play. So that's going to be a healthy competition throughout training camp. Is it going to be Casey Hayward get that spot on the outside? Is Damon Arnett going to earn it? It's very hard to tell when it's the early days in training camp, the ramp-up period, because you're not allowed to jump routes. You're not allowed to do a lot of things. So it's really where the offense is going to shine in training camp. So Damon Arnett and, and Casey Hayward in particular as well, uh, you haven't seen a whole lot from them. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, uh, safety, Jonathan Abram, you've seen them working, but they're just kind of going through almost like walkthrough stuff. So you're not seeing a whole lot. Tomorrow, once the pads come on, it's a different ball game. Then you'll be able to start to see something. So that's what I'm excited for, to see what the defensive backs do once they get pads on offensively one guy who stood out is Zay Jones Zay Jones has been the the early the early hero in the camp he's been the guy the star of the camp so far showing off his speed his athleticism he's made some really nice catches on Saturday Derek Carr launched one launched the ball deep and and uh, Zay Jones made a diving catch it was beautiful you know and all the fans that were there about 500 fans that were there it was either uh, season ticket holders corporate sponsors or family they all started cheering and that was cool but I say that and, and let you know that there's always a guy in training camp that shines. I'm not saying that Zay Jones is going to go out there and all of a sudden, you know, be a huge factor in the upcoming season. But then again, you never know. You never know what he has. But he has been so far the star of training camp. Very short period of time that we're talking about. And he's been getting a lot of love. John Gruden talked about him on Tuesday when they first came into camp, when they first opened up camp. And then I asked him on Saturday, I doubled down and asked John Gruden about Zay Jones. Here he is talking about the wide receiver. Well, I think I said the other day he's um – uh, possibly our highest conditioned athlete. You know, he's, we traded for him. Mike made a great trade a couple years ago. We were in real need. He learned our offense in a week. He was starting. Um, he's in the mix now. He's, he's, he can play X, he can play Z. He can play anywhere on our offense, honestly. He's, he's versatile, he's tough, he's smart, and he's a great competitor. So I wouldn't count him out. 
So obviously Zay's got a lot of work to do, but you hear John Gruden say, you know, I wouldn't count him out, but he's got a lot of work just to get onto the field. I know he's fast. I know he's got some good hands. I know he's learned the offense and Derek Carr really, really likes him. You know, he's, he's stuck around the team as long as he has for a reason, but it's just, it's hard for me to see exactly how he gets on the field when you have a Henry Ruggs, when you have a Darren Waller, when you have a Brian Edwards, when you have a Hunter Renfro. I mean, you have a lot of different guys and of course, Willie Sneed, John Brown, they're both there as well. They're all in the mix. So at some point, something's got to give, but Zay Jones is a guy who continues to turn heads and he continues to work hard. And, and as you hear John Gruden say, you know, I wouldn't count him out. Josh Jacobs said that, you know, he's rooting for him. He's pulling for him. Uh, Darren Waller said he's pulling for him. I mean, all these guys is like, Hey, this dude, he's got some potential. He could, he could be a factor on this team. So I don't know what they do with them. I really don't. But as of right now, and things might change on tomorrow when they start putting pads on, who knows, maybe the, the game changes a little bit for him. But as of right now, he's really starting to turn some heads in training camp. So just something to pay attention to throughout the course of the preseason and see if he can carve out him a little bit of a role on this team in 2021. But that's just my early observations. Again, I don't want to get overcritical. And some people really break down everything that they saw in the first four days and, you know, take it for gold. But I, I just like to, to realize and keep it in perspective. It's a ramp up period. It is not full throttle yet. It's going to get the full throttle. Also, those scrimmages against the Rams, that's going to be huge. Preseason games is going to be important. So you can really start to tell where this team is at and, and, and the direction that they're going heading into that week one game against the Baltimore Rams. But just early observations, early thoughts from both John Gruden and Josh Jacobs that you heard there as well. So that's all I got for you. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sporting action, baseball season. Talk about them all the time. Now the trade deadline is over, man, it's going to go. You want to talk about full throttle, it's going to go full throttle, man. All these teams are making a race till the end to try to get to the playoffs and make a deep run and ultimately get to the World Series. Well, betonline.ag has your latest news, your odds, and all your sporting needs uh, for everything. MLB, UFC, MMA, football right around the corner, of course. So before the next pitch, uh, the next home run, the next strikeout, or the next no-hitter, no head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Get out the sidelines and get into the game. Head on over to the website again on your mobile device or your laptop. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How do you do it? Well, you got to use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's betonline.ag. Promo code LOCKEDON is going to get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a text from 725 Raiders. It says, hey, Q. 725 Raider here. Am I alone in not being interested in Rodgers? He's an unbelievable talent, but offense is not our problem. I'd rather keep Carr around on a team-friendly deal and spend money on a big-time defensive free agent next offseason. Maybe TJ Watt or Darius Leonard if they become available. That's 725 Raider. Thank you for that text. And I'll tell you right now, TJ Watt and Darius Leonard will not become available. <laughs> I know it sounds good, and TJ Watt was a guy that the Raiders could have drafted. 
Instead of drafting Gary on Conley, could have drafted TJ Watt. But that's a whole nother conversation. We can we can have a whole show based on who the Raiders could have drafted at certain points and didn't draft. Darius Leonard, obviously a hell of a talent as well. As far as Rodgers goes, I totally understand your your conversation. You know, I mean, offense is not the problem. Derek Carr totally has control of the offense, you know, and he's out there, you know, at practice. I've been seeing him. He's out there showing his leadership. You know, he's restarting practice if it doesn't, if it's not going the way it's supposed to. He'll kind of restart things. I mean, he's he's showing total command. So you're right. That's not the problem. Now, with that being said, if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, every team in the league that is not, you know, the Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow with Cincinnati. I mean, I know he's a young dude. He's not a Hall of Famer or anything like that or even considered an elite quarterback, but a young dude that they believe in. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about that. Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville, they're not going to be looking. But for the most part, every other team that's not 100% sold on their guy is going to at least pay attention and look at Aaron Rodgers. And that would include the Raiders. They would look as well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is definitely an upgrade over Derek Carr. And that's not a slight. I mean, everyone's not an elite talent like Aaron Rodgers, just not. And it's very rare that a guy like that would, would become available. I don't think that the Raiders would spend a lot of time with that situation, I'll tell you that. I think they may, uh, you know, look into him, see what the situation is, what it calls for, and and see what they would do and see what they could offer. But I don't, I don't think that it would last very long, you know. And, I, and I'm not even sure where he would want to go. And when I say he, I mean Aaron Rodgers. So uh, again, that's a conversation that's going to happen. It's going to pop up. But I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about this year and what happens with the team this year. And then during the offseason next year, that's when everyone can worry about Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and all that other situation. I'm not worried about any of that right now but I totally understand where you're coming from and being comfortable with Derek Carr next up is a call from Jacob in Fresno he's calling in with another question that pertains to the upcoming season and it's a really good one about the attendance at Allegiant Stadium here he is Jacob in Fresno thank you Jacob from Fresno appreciate uh, responding to my sound bit really glad I was able to create extra content for you about the linebacking core I totally forgot about William Morrow and I forget that how talented he can be, and that I think that he's just been, you know, a little bit underutilized and not really showcased. Hopefully, that'll change this year. But uh, another question for you. At the beginning of last year, a lot of people started to say that Vegas is kind of a, like a middle ground of where NFL football fans can all come and not necessarily just Raider fans because it's such an entertainment capital and whatnot. My question towards you is, do you think most of the games are going to be completely dominated by Raider fans attending, or because Vegas is such a hot spot for entertainment, a lot of casinos, I've heard, have bought tickets that a lot of other fans are going to be trying to take over the brand new Allegiant Stadium. I hope that's not the case, but let me know your thoughts. Thanks for your time, man. There he goes. That's Jacob in Fresno. Thank you for the call, my man. I'll say, um, you know, the first couple of years, I think the stadium, no doubt about it, is going to be a majority of Raider fans. I, I really do. I think that Raider Nation is going to take over Legion Stadium. They'll be loud and proud, and it's going to be awesome. Now, it's up to the team to win. The team is going to have to win because if not, then fans are going to start to look to sell their tickets, and they'll start putting some of their tickets out on these different websites. And, of course, those websites don't care if you're a fan of the Raiders or any other team. They're just trying to make that money, and they'll sell the tickets for a lot. I mean, you can go look at a second 
secondhand market right now and look at some tickets prices for this upcoming year and see how much these prices are. That's what they're going to start doing. People are going to try to recoup their money. And then that's when you're going to start seeing the stadium split in half. You'll start to see, you know, Steeler fans there. You'll start to see uh, a lot of whatever Chiefs fans there, whoever's coming in, you'll start to see them really dominate in the stadium. And I saw it firsthand at, uh, at Jerry's world at Cowboy stadium or AT&T stadium in Dallas. Uh, when the Cowboys weren't very good, you know, all of a sudden they the team that they were playing was filling up the stadium because a lot of Cowboy fans were selling their tickets. So they've got to become a really good team. And it starts this year. They've got to develop that fan base and, and, and let it be known that that is their house and nobody else's. They have got to do it. They've got to have a, a sense of urgency as far as winning. If not, then it'll end up becoming a tourist attraction. And you don't want to have that. You know what I mean? How many people come to Vegas just to hang out for two or three days and then bounce? Well, that's what's going to happen. People are going to come to Vegas for two or three days, and that last day is going to be, well, their football team's game, whoever it is. You know, it's just like the first first game of the season, the Baltimore Ravens. You can get a bunch of Baltimore fans in Allegiant Stadium. That would suck, right? Well, that's what's going to happen. Uh, and again, I, it won't happen immediately, but it'll happen in a couple years if the Raiders are not a winning team. So that's why it's so important they get to winning. They just win, baby, and they just win immediately. Next up, got a text from Tyson Thompson. He says, hey, Q, new booty. Tyson Thompson from Utah. Just want to say I love the show and I listen every day. First thing is, what's your prediction for the Raiders' divisional record this year? I think we go Four and two at the absolute worst, but I think we do we could do better than that. Last thing is, I found out that the Raiders versus Chargers game will be going on when I'm in LA in October, so I had to get tickets to go represent the nation. That's all, Q and Raiders. That's from Tyson Thompson, new booty from Utah here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And thank you so much for the text, my man. And uh, have fun at that game, Raiders and Chargers. Uh, I know the Raider Nation is going to take over that uh, that SoFi Stadium there in LA because, well, Raider fans dominate Charger fans, so that'll be a lot of fun. As far as Man, as far as the division record goes, and I'd have to look at the schedule again to see when these games pop up, but I think that the Raiders need to go 4-2. and two. They really do, at the least. They need to go 4-2 and two if they want to have a fighting chance at making the playoffs, one way or, one or, or the other. It doesn't matter. A lot of folks say, well, they need to just try to win the division. Well, yeah, ideally, they win the division, but you also have the wild card there for a reason, so... I don't care how you get to the playoffs. I just care that you get to the playoffs. So I think that the Raiders have to go four and two at the worst in the division to have a chance. So, I mean, I can go through the games and maybe I'll do that at some point when we get closer to the regular season. I'll go through it again. And after seeing training camp, tell you how I feel that the season shakes out and what the overall record is. But yeah, just to answer your quick question, four and two is what they need to do in the division. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Next up, I got a call from Jordan in Oregon. He's calling with a thought about the 2016 season and has some interesting thoughts on that and then has a question about the team being good on both sides of the ball. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon calling in. Hey, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Does your unnecessary roughness show on Raider Nation Radio, do you have that in a podcast form? And if so, maybe you could do a shout-out to where we could find that and uh, what it'd be called, labeled under. I know a lot of the other Raider Nation radio shows, uh, like Inside the Huddle and and I think even JT show, you can find loaded on podcasts uh, later. So just curious on that. I'm sure that others are too. But um, another thing, too, I love people getting into the nuts and bolts of, of kind of the wind breakdown of the 2016 season. <clears throat> That's something I've always thought was, was a, a fascinating way to look at a season, you know, especially 16. Uh, you know, the ball bounced our way a few times in the fourth quarter, and there was 
several games that we did make a defensive play, uh, you know, included that. <laughs> Never forget that Khalil Mack pick six on Cam Newton and then jumping in the black hole. Uh, that was a very, very one of my proudest moments of screaming my head off to be a Raider fan. But that season in general, there's a lot of, you know, balls that that, that ball bounced our way. And uh, I think last season it was interesting because, uh, like Vinny's pointed out a lot and, and several others, is the ball b- didn't bounce our way a few times on defensive stops. But we also did make a few defensive stands that I think kind of got blended into the whole year. And so really, you know, last year's record, we, we might have ended up where, you know, the ball bounced both ways. Let's put it that way. And so it got me really thinking, and Q, maybe this is a question for, for if I could present to you, is when's the last time the Raiders had a dominant team, you know, that, that, that we, we were good on offense and good on defense? And I know I've seen Raider teams that, that resembled that, but I'm trying to think of the last time. And, you know, times where we, we could win a, a game 28 to 10. Or, you know, that the, the last, uh, success of the Raiders, you know, in the last decade, there, there hasn't been a lot of wins, but a lot of the wins that we have had have been like nail biters. Like if you're a guy that wants to, to try to have a heart attack, I'd suggest becoming a Raider fan of the last decade because, I mean, there's so many wins that they, that went our way that shouldn't have gone our way, whether it be, you know, uh, a timeout to make the guy kick another field goal again and, and make a miss at the second time. I mean, there's just been – we've had games that, that backfired on us going that way. And so I just have that question, Q, if you could think of the last time the Raiders really did have a dominant team on both sides of the ball. I'm not saying we need to be the 85 Bears, but when's the last time we were beating teams, you know, 20 to 10? You know, I'm kind of getting sick of these 31-30 wins. But anyway, Q, peace out, man. There he goes, Jordan in Oregon right there with the call. Appreciate it, my man. And, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, my show, Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 being in podcast form, they have it. It's up on uh, wherever you can get your podcast. It's up there. Uh, I just looked at it during your call. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts for sure. Uh, that's where I looked at it. But I got about 10 episodes up there right now. But everything is always on LVSportsNetwork.com. That's the website for the radio station. It's always up there as well. As far as your question about the last time the Raiders were a complete team, I'd have to say it's a team that made the trip to the playoffs. I mean, and that was in 2016. I know the defense wasn't dominant, but they were able to make plays when they needed to. You know what I mean? Like, that that was what was important about them. Um, Khalil Mack, as you mentioned, with that uh, interception off Cam Newton, that pick six, taking it to the house. Uh, then he had the strip sack at the end of the uh, game uh, to seal the victory. I mean, there was plays like that. You know, him coming up big uh, against uh, Denver. and I mean, just all, all kind of uh, times like that. Sometimes it would be a, a Reggie Nelson interception that would seal the deal. Something they would come up with a big play. So that's when they were at least complimentary. Uh, before that, I guess it would have to be the last time that the Raiders, you know, made a deep run. And, and actually the Rich Gannon MVP-led team, <laughs> you know. I mean, I would say that that was a team that was that was very, uh, you know, complimentary of each other. Uh, the team that Hugh Jackson had with, with uh, Jason Campbell, um, they were They were decent. Their defense wasn't very good either, but they made plays when necessary. If you remember when Al passed and they played the Texans and they only had 10 guys on the field and Michael Huff made that interception off Matt Schaub in the end zone to seal the deal. I mean, those, it was moments like that. But it's been a long time, to, to your point, to the point of your call. It's been a very long time since the Raiders have been good on both sides of the ball. It has. And that's, that's something that needs to change. 
do they start to make that move this year? That's what it's all going to depend on. And they need to start making that move this year. They need to be, at the very least, complimentary. They need to go back to being opportunistic, where they make plays like they did in 2016 when they were needed the most. So uh, I think that that kind of helps answer your question, even though it really kind of doesn't. So thank you so much for that. And that's all I really got time for. On today's show, I still got a text from East Bay T, a call from Raider Dave in Denver, a text from Raider Rob in Pittsburgh, Big O from Arizona called in, and then Raider Corey in Louisville also texted in. So I got all that coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll have more news and notes of the day. We'll have more conversation as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you for all the feedback. Appreciate all the love on the show and on the radio show, Unnecessary Roughness, on Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll be back tomorrow. And uh, as always, Raider Nation, make sure you take care of yourself, love on your family, take care of your family, and most of Importantly, just win, baby.